Three C's in a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Hello and welcome to Three C's in a Pod from Provision Advisors, where we give you insights and analysis on the day's hot topics and trends in the comms environment. This week, we'll continue to assess the nation's reaction to reopening as Memorial Day weekend provided a glimpse into the feelings of many Americans who wish to move forward. We'll talk about the charity golf event involving Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, and a couple of pro football players. Also, we'll sit down with the CEO of Formula Boats, Mr. Scott Porter, and ask how his industry has been affected by the coronavirus and what they're doing to adjust as summer is upon us and Americans take to the waterways. As always, we begin the show by taking a look back on the week. John, as you look back in your rearview mirror, anything come into focus for you? Yeah, thanks, Bashan. Start this off by saying I hope both of you had a very good uh, holiday weekend as we just observed Memorial Day uh, this past weekend. Um, it sparked in me an observation of the trends out there with Memorial Day and how it is now morphed into this almost a disconnect between what I like to call mill Twitter or military Twitter and other audiences uh, and segments of the audience out there that, you know, I, I notice I've always been very hard on our fellow military people for their, Hey, where's my, where's my 15% discount for serving in uniform? Hey, you know, make sure you thank me for my service. Uh, and now I, I see a lot of it in and around Veterans Day and Memorial Day, where on social media, there's a lot of, hey, you don't say happy Memorial Day. Memorial Day is meant to commemorate people in uniform who died. So don't say happy Memorial Day. And for me, it's just kind of a disconnect of, I I think that the intent of people who say happy Memorial Day, whether they were in the military or not, is to just you know, give respect to the, to the day itself. You know, so they're using a certain word, not right, perhaps. Um, I, I notice it growing in, in terms of the trend line and, and, and it really, it really bothers me. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of people out there who, who really trust the military. Um, you know, we, we used to, we used to talk about these numbers all the time in the Pentagon and when we taught at the Defense Information School, but their trust in us uh, and and in the military doesn't necessarily entitle them or or give them a total understanding of every little nuance. So, you know, I, I know that we military people like to nail ourselves up on the cross for our service to this nation and things of that nature. You know, but I, I really wish people would take it easy on social media. Um, number one, flexing their their military past or their military present, and number two, sticking it to people who are just trying to say a nice thing, but they're not saying it exactly right. Hey, John. So let's zoom out a, a little bit because you hit exactly on what um, I wanted to talk about for my rear view, and it's this phenomenon of shaming um, as a Um, really as a communication strategy, whether it's a personal strategy, whether it's a media strategy, whether it's a a brand strategy, this idea of shaming really becomes a instrumental instrumental variable in the risk-reward calculus that individuals and brands have to take. So what you were just talking about was shaming at the service, mill, blog, mill discussion level. But I mean, 
we saw a lot of it th this weekend, right? So there was the shaming of people that want to conflate in their mind Memorial Day with Veterans Day or, hey, you, you celebrated the holiday too much by showing off your barbecue or your golf tournament or whatever. And it's, you know, so again, somebody else imposing their view of what uh, the event or the brand should be. Um, we see it now in this quarantine versus no quarantine, right? I mean, the, the images that came out of uh, Lake of the Ozarks and Ocean City and Houston and um, Daytona Beach and this idea of some group knows better. You know, those of you that are quarantining are all messed up. You, you know, this is America and our liberty is most important. And then the other side, looking at the group that is out there and, and shaming them for wanting to get out and get out of the quarantine habit. And then lastly, I mean, another um, example is this idea to mask versus not to mask. Um, and so I, I think that trend presents, uh, and we'll, we'll talk to um, Scott Porter in the next segment and you know, kind of get his take on, on this, but it presents a very difficult and unique challenge for brands as they decide how they want to position themselves and their content um, because they do run a risk of the wrong influencer or the wrong um, slow news day uh, shaming their brand or their their effort. Uh, I, I mean, we we've fought so much against this idea of bullying, but I mean that's really what shaming is, right? It's bullying by another name. Yeah, and and I'll jump in really quick, but I I, I love to get Bashan's take on this too. The it would be too easy for us to say that this is a product of the the lack of civility that the Trump White House has injected into our national discussion or our international discussion, for that matter. Um, I, I know that 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 sort of back and forth and that sort of blunt like hammer on people is is something that Donald Trump essentially parlayed uh, from his base into. Uh, a spot in the White House. But I, I think that I've talked a lot about how this trend has has started, you know, like the old CNN hardball, you know, that, that you know, on TV 25 years ago, you know, where audiences were almost uncomfortable by the argument that would take place between two people on different sides of the aisle. And it's just grown, you know, the, the advent of the Stephen A. Smith type of shout you down, you know, Skip Bayless was the same way in sports talk, that it's, we've almost tried to inject this sort of shaming into the national discourse. And, and it's just, I, I find it, you know, it was like one of our first two or three pods that we ever did, you know, where we were begging for civility to come back into the conversation. I, I just don't know when it will. Yeah. So great points, gents. Um, I look at it like this, and I'll move it away from the current administration. Um, like good, bad, or indifferent, for me, this is an expansion of what's called cancel culture, right? Um, So-and-so did something, you know what, that's against my ideals, that's against my morals. Forget it, we're not listening to them uh, ever again. We saw some of this recently with, I, I don't know if you guys were paying attention, uh, Tyra Banks and America's Next Top Model, that, like for a period of 48 to 72 hours, she was catching the brunt of whatever blowback uh, from her behavior on that show from, I don't know, 10 years ago, however long ago that was. 
And then most recently, within the last 24 hours, Jimmy Fallon uh, doing a impression of Chris Rock, um, uh, his fellow um, castmate on Saturday Night Live, where he was dressed in quote unquote blackface as he as he did this impression. And so he, it, I even saw, I think I saw it last night where he made a statement on Twitter where he apologized for his actions. Right. Um, the the short of it is um, people have time on their hands. Right. Um, we, I, I feel I feel which is Sean Man's opinion. People are sitting around, sitting you know, looking for things. What can I be mad at today and, and, and put it out there? And, and like I said, good, bad, or indifferent, like, yeah, I, I think blackface is probably not the thing you want to do. Um, that happened, I don't know, however many years ago. Um, I think Jimmy Fallon is going to be fine. All right. I, I think he's going to be okay. I think Tyra Banks is going to move on. Right. So whether it's an edu a point of education, hey, look, Let's correct, let's course correct on this behavior. Let's not do this. Um, the way in which we are choosing to do it now by this, you know, put people on blast, um, you know, I don't know, just destroy their reputation for however long it takes is, I'm tired of it. I'm sure I'm guilty of participating in the mob mentality of it. Uh, I'm not going to absolve myself of that. Um, but it is something that I, I think is, is, is rather trite in most cases. Uh, that, that's my two cents. You know, we, we've talked um, a lot on this pod about our military experience. Um, and, you know, one of the things that has become a staple of the military planning process is this idea of red selling uh, and getting your group of people together to look at your plan, whether it's a communication plan or a um, campaign plan. And think of it as the opposition might think of it and think of it as, um, you know, look at it in a way that maybe the group that was planning it didn't think of it. And, and there are, you, you know, there are similar phenomenon out in industry and have been for years, but you almost need to hire um, or consider how to red sell from a, um, from a shaming perspective, right? Like what, what is the potential shame that's, that's going to, occur if I do this or if I don't do this or if I don't I mean it, it is um I don't I don't think it's a I mean as an American I don't think it's a good place to be as a communicator and an advisor to brands I think it's really not a good place to be and um I, I mean you're really talking about money that could be lost or have to be invested as a way of uh, of dealing with uh, all of this you're correct. I think John uh, mentioned in one of our past pods, maybe it was last week, uh, DiGiorno's response uh, via Twitter uh, about the, in a comment made about the uh, MJ and Pizzagate. But uh, so you, so and Chris, to your so point I mean, about. That, that's the line, right? I mean, wh right. what's the, what's the line of being ironic and edgy versus right. being shamed or putting yourself out there to be shamed. And um right. Oh, you, you, you know, uh, that, that's a, that's but a for some, line. For some people, it, it, I mean, I really do think, and this is where I will almost contradict myself uh, about the Trump White House. It, you know, I think now it, it really works for people. There's a, you know, there's a local seafood um, restaurant in Baltimore that has a very popular uh, Twitter account that is known 
for crushing people and they dig it. You know, the, the client base or the audience base digs the fact that they have crossed the line so many times in popping off on people, you know, shaming celebrities, you know, weighing in on, on issues such as, such as this, and then showing that, that they don't think there's anything taboo. And that is what the Trump White House certainly is injected into a lot of people's thought process, which is, hey, I mean, it, he's just going to do whatever he wants to do. You know, I, I never thought we'd cross this line. And then that line gets crossed. I never thought he'd say this about this person. That's not presidential, and then he does it, and it becomes presidential. It's now become the new normal, as we like to say on the show. And and I I just I have a really big problem with it, and I really really have a problem with with fellow veterans or fellow military, uh, you know, from from the from the comfort of their high horse, shaming people who were just trying to say a nice thing to them, but they don't say it exactly right. You know, that's not being an empathetic listener. And if you're going to be a good communicator out there, you better be a pretty good listener first. Yeah, yeah it really does come down to chicken or egg um, in, in terms of the, the White House. Um, and, uh, you know, regardless of where you fall in the political spectrum, I, I think you've seen both parties um, use it to their advantage. I think you've seen both parties fall victim to it. Um, and we, you know, the reality is, is that we live more and more in a post-fact world and, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter what the truth is. It doesn't matter what reality is. I mean, a, a, a news company or an influencer puts a picture up and they frame it the way that they want it framed and people either believe it because they believe anything that that influencer or news, uh, outlet says, or they, um, they, they don't believe it and uh, be, because of the same reason. So that, um, that problem is, uh, is not going to go away anytime soon. I fear you're correct. Uh, folks, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk boats with our guests. Stick with us. You're listening to Three Season of Pod. Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead. We're back. Thank you for tuning in. We have a very special guest with us on the show today. As we mentioned in the intro to today's podcast, with Memorial Day weekend now behind us, we see ourselves moving into the warmer days of summer, and many Americans are looking to get outdoors as quickly as possible. Well, for some folks, that means getting out on the water and enjoying the boating season with family and friends. Here to talk about how his company is navigating the coronavirus and discuss their plans moving forward is Mr. Scott Porter, president of Formula Boats in Decatur, Indiana. Scott, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Scott, Formula is a family-owned business, and I happen to know you are a very close-knit organization. Uh, can we begin by backing up just a bit to hear from you uh, about how you approach the onset of the nationwide shutdown, sort of break down uh, your decision-making process, uh, the measures that you took to protect the employees at Formula. Just walk us through that a little bit. Sure. You know, we, we started to hear about uh, uh, the virus back in January. As a matter of fact, I shared with our employees that we didn't really understand it very well, but uh, it was something we'd keep an eye on. And you know, as we kind of progressed through our, our boat shows in February, uh, you know, uh, kind of was coming more and more to the forefront. So uh, once uh, we, it, it started to really flare up here in this country, we knew 
you know, that, that something was uh, really going to impact our business here. We could really start to feel it. So uh, when the CDC kind of talked about uh, their recommendation was that, that the country would basically shut down for 15 days, give things a chance to settle down a bit. So we decided that we were going to do that uh, as a business. Uh, safety of our employees was very important. Uh, you know, that, that is our business. So that was very, very critical for us. So we decided to go ahead and, and announce that we were going to take a, uh, a two weeks off, that we would stay in touch uh, with our team uh, through text every week, let them know what the progress was. Uh, so uh, we started our wind down about March 18th. Uh, takes us a little while in our lamination process to get things to a point where we can really shut down. Uh, that was actually uh, just a, a, probably about a week before our governor actually announced that, that the state was going to shut down. So we were really ahead of that a little bit, really trying to follow the CDC at that time. Uh, and uh, we really, uh, even prior to that, we're sharing with our employees a lot of great instruction that the CDC was uh, giving us on, you know, proper hand washing and things that you could do, uh, not only for here, but at home. So we even sent that home uh, with employees and, and fired it out uh, by text so they would have that there. So we uh, we decided we were going to wind down and uh, that uh, turned into quite a, a prolonged process, though. It was, it was uh, one of the more interesting times in our in our business lifetime. Uh, well, so when you talk about that that business lifetime, did you have uh, a plan or some sort of a matrix that you could look at to prepare yourself for that? Or was it just sort of like, hey, this is all brand new? You know, we, we do have a plan. I will admit every time we've, uh, in this industry, every time there's a recession, well, you go into a fairly big recession as a business. So you learn things every time. And uh, with the big meltdown in 09, we learned a lot. And I, I do have a list of things that we had to do back then, uh, all very painful things that we had to do. But this just felt different. I mean, that that uh, that folder is in my in my file folder. It's there to grab uh, things to look at. But this time, uh, it just it, it felt different. It didn't feel like anything we'd ever confronted before. So I think we just thought, okay, we're going to take a two-week vacation here. Let's see what happens. And uh, uh, at this point in time, that that's what that's what we'll do. And uh, then it obviously became prolonged. So so we did have to look at some different things. But it uh, again, each time we run into one of these recessions, it seems to be caused by something different. So it sometimes even requires a little different playlist. What would you say is, is your biggest challenge in terms of reading the tea leaves in the future, uh, in terms of how you communicate, how you'll engage, how you'll um, how you'll connect with potential uh, customers on the horizon. You know, I know that the pandemic throws a huge monkey wrench into any planning scenario, but um, in consideration of the pandemic and then independent of the pandemic, how do you plan for that, you know, to build those future, uh, that future customer base? No, I think that's an excellent question. And, you know, it, it, uh, we, we were very busy at the time of, of the wind down uh, because we had just come through our major winter boat shows. Uh, we normally are doing a lot of follow-up work after that and, and trying to prepare people uh, for the spring uh, if they want to order a new boat. Uh, so even communicating uh, in the period that we were shut down was, was very difficult because in the very beginning, 
you know, we determined that while we want to stay in touch with people and let them know we care, it seemed insensitive uh, to, to really be going into our normal marketing at that time of year. Uh, plus, we, we did have a lot of busyness that we were having to do just as we were shut down and trying to uh, learn what it was going to look like to even be able to start back up. But uh, I think it, it, uh, it kind of was in phases. At first, we just really were kind of just trying to let people know we cared. Uh, and then as different states started to open up, we started to see the marketplace back, open back up in Florida. Then we began to kind of shift to a different phase of communication and, and to let folks in our marketplace know there uh, that we, uh, it was spring. Uh, we had a lot of great uh, stock merchandise that, that you know, was available. And uh, so that, but that really kind of happened through both email and then uh, texting through our, uh, our sales team through to their, uh, their clients. Uh, that, uh, I will say then we kind of shifted that to, that, that's a major market for us, say South Florida, the Northeast, uh, up where you fellows are, that's a, a very major market for us. But obviously, uh, with the pandemic was hit extremely hard in different markets up there that are kind of our key markets. So we're just finally shifting into that kind of reopening phase there as the states are reopening and the boating is is allowed. Uh, and uh, But it is actually shifting. I think we're learning just as we're on a Zoom meeting right now. I, I've been in more Zoom uh, meetings uh, that I can tell you about, you know, just over the last couple of months. And uh, that has to do with business, uh, communication with our sales team, our uh, communication with uh, one of our national associations we belong to, uh, NAM, uh, National Association of Manufacturers. We also are a strong member of the National Marine Manufacturers Association. And they were both preparing us for our, our relaunch here with manufacturing and uh, were very, very helpful. But marketing wise, I see things taking a real shift here with the people becoming more familiar with even having these types of meetings face-to-face. Uh, -face. Uh, I, I really think we're, uh, we're kind of working on, on how we can make sure that our information that we provide uh, to help our clients make a, an informed buying decision that, you know, what's that going to look like going into the future? And I think that's going to change quite a bit. Scott, you mentioned that shift. Um, you know, out of the quiet and concern phase into more of a, you know, you, you maintain the concern, but then it, it starts to move back to, I guess, what normal was. I mean, not that, you know, we'll ever be close to normal, um, at least, in, you know, for, for any foreseeable future. In our first segment, we talked about the images that we saw during Memorial Day. Um, and, you know, I mean, largely Americans, uh, were kind of like kids at recess. I mean, they, you know, ran out and wanted to get back to doing American things. As, um, as the country balances where it goes in terms of the virus versus getting back to normal, how does that factor into the imagery and the type of marketing that Formula does? I mean, traditionally, I mean, you, you know, when you show off your boats, it's, it's in a very um, lavish and enjoyable way. Mm -hmm. um, does the current situation change any of that or what, what goes through your mind as you put some of that together? No, that's, that's a great question. It, it, right now, the whole marketing and sales connection is obviously 
uh, in different phases around the country. Uh, you've got some areas of the country that I spoke about that are either coming back, some that maybe weren't hit as hard. We have a we have quite a large inland market uh, in the Midwest and and also down into like Lake of the Ozarks, uh, Grand Lake of the Cherokees down near Tulsa. Uh, those marketplaces uh, have really come back to life. Uh, uh, and, and the people are, as you said, it's almost like they're on recess. I mean, they've been like locked up here for a period of time. So I think what we're trying to do is respond to that positively and uh, help do what we can there to deliver product where it needs to needs to be. Uh, yeah, we, we heard back from our, our dealers down at Lake of the Ozarks and Grand Lake of the Cherokees. And this was a couple weeks prior to Memorial Day, but school was over. Uh, no summer sports and people said hey we're going to the lake so they were like Memorial Day a couple weeks even ahead of time and uh, also I think you've seen the people in Florida rushing back to the beach or, or out boating they're, they're they're wanting to have a great time so I think we're wanting to respond to that uh, with our marketing and sales opportunities but we also want to be uh, considerate of some of the markets that are still kind of behind in that regard and it, it has been quite fascinating, you know, with obviously, uh, you know, the control factors there being state by state, uh, that, that's had kind of a big impact on how we do reach out with two people in different marketplaces. I mean, that, that's the challenge for brands, as you've seen, um, you know, when the news media covers a brand or covers a trend, there, I, I think the immediate sense is to kind of make it a national story so they hit as many audiences as possible and so it doesn't take into consideration um, the differences in market and it's it seems like it would be very tough for a national brand like you all to to be nuanced in how you do that for fear or concern that you would get lumped into you know a a, a national story that that doesn't take that into consideration. So, I mean, as, I would imagine as brands decide how they're going to position themselves, especially summer brands, um, there's a there's a lot of challenge that goes into that. Um, aside from your dealers, how do you get information that factors into that decision making process? Well, it's it's a great question. We. Uh, we have a very interesting way we go to market uh, in probably about 70 to 80% of the market. We have our own sales locations where we're very unique as a company goes. Uh, so we use our own team there to actually push out the connection, but we also have a great close relationship with our dealer partners and they're, they're in some of the markets that, that we just, we, we choose to not be in with our own sales team or uh, they're, they're just doing an awesome job where they're at, but we also partner with them on some of the larger products. So uh, anyway, we, we work with our dealers, but we also work through our direct team and that works out very, very well. And uh, we, we try to coordinate uh, with, with weekly sales meetings so that we make sure the messaging that we're doing is, is going to be great in, in every marketplace and have one of those coming up tomorrow morning again uh, by Zoom. Imagine that. So. <laughs> Scott, we, um, when we talk with, uh, on, this, on this podcast with other CEOs and, and um, communication uh, professionals, we, we find ourselves now in these past couple of months using this phrase, new normal. So... You know, I've, you, you and I, uh, you know, we, we, we've, we've talked, I've had the, the, the benefit of, of seeing the great factory and the great people that work there. And as Chris mentioned, uh, you know, we were at 
had the opportunity to speak with you at the Annapolis Boat Show. How do you envision boat shows moving forward? Uh, and, and how are you going to adapt, again, state by state, as you said, you have to you know, go with what the, the governors are, are putting out in terms of guidelines and safety concerns. But what are ways in which you're, you're sitting there in Decatur and then talking with your sales folks across the nation to say, you know what, we need to take advantage of this particular scenario and, uh, and move in this direction. Can you give us an idea of what that's going to look like, uh, how you're going to position yourselves? Yeah, I'll do my best on that. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny. And we, uh, my CFO and I kind of joke about uh, three-year plans, you know, when bankers want to see three-year plans in our industry. And, uh, you know, we kind of, boat year to us is kind of like dog years, you know. And uh, so we think a three-year plan is, is really a little... Uh, out there you know it really doesn't mean a whole lot right now i think what the new normal might be is what we live in today it's what we know today but we're also getting adjusted back into our, our new normal lifestyle but knowing that there's also in the news that that, that you know the COVID 19 might have a second phase on into the fall uh, if that happens, that's right during our, our boat show season. Uh, so we're looking down the road to that, but we also look at all the variables that we don't know uh, of our major fall shows, what that state's going to look like at that time. Uh, even if the boat shows open, will people come? Uh, I think we're planning to actually be at boat shows if they're going to happen uh, physically if they're going to happen but but likely we will probably be a little more conservative in our approach because it's a very expensive uh, operation and uh, if, if we're uncertain about the results we really have to be prudent about that uh, especially having a business that was shut down as it was here for six weeks and that was a a pretty big burden you know on the company so uh, we're looking ahead to those boat shows we're anticipating utilizing our after show events probably uh, to, to, to be able to connect again with people. And that's pretty normal for us guys. We'll, we'll do a follow-up event so that we can bring people to an offsite location from where the show was. Uh, we'll give them an opportunity to not just see the boats, but actually do a demo ride, uh, find out what they might be interested in. So I would anticipate we might be utilizing those events even not just for that follow-up, but also for people who might be, uh, uncertain about do they really want to go out you know and be uh, in a crowd or depending on what the state regulations might be if they're too onerous they just might not want to go out they might want to go no I'm not I'm not going to go have to do that make sure I'm six feet apart or wear a mask the whole time uh, whatever that might look like you know so it's going to be very interesting and we also are working though we we participated in in only one virtual boat show the Palm Beach show was canceled uh, this spring and we did a uh, kind of participated in their virtual boat show but we've learned for us to do that we're gonna have to really ramp up uh, what we call our formula showroom uh, not just our website but our showroom it's kind of probably an evolution of what a typical website would look like uh, to a tool that will become more virtual uh, as a selling tool uh, and, and a helpful tool to people who are who are trying to shop the brand. So we're we're kind of imagining it's going to be a, a blend of of 
I hate to call it a traditional boat show because I imagine it's not going to look like it did. I don't know what it's going to look like, but blending that with our showroom software as well as our follow-up events. So we're already planning. It's, it's going to be a different uh, way to, to communicate and, and help our uh, clients make an informed decision this fall. Scott, in one of your previous answers, you referenced the Ozarks, and you know I, I'm big on you know marketing planning and and trying to predict the future as you engage with your audience and engage with your customers, and then sometimes you just kind of get thrown a bone, uh, so to speak, when you know a particular show or a particular event actually highlights you know your industry or boating. So yeah, there there is a very popular show out there called Ozark. It's very boat driven. Um, with a lot of uh, boating scenes and references. Have you noticed based on that show in that geographic area that you've had an uptick in customer base? Or have you noticed traditionally in all of your years doing this that, that things like that sometimes drive your market? That's a great question, John. I, I don't know that I can answer it specifically to that market. I'd have to ask my, my dealer there. I, I don't know. But I do think over, over time, the boating lifestyle shows have been pretty exciting and, and do get people excited. Uh, I think probably a lot of our business, uh, while it might start getting people excited there, a lot of our business tends to be uh, not just repeat clients, but a lot of client referrals. So uh, you know, I don't think shows like that hurt at all. But again, I think a lot of it just comes from people getting excited about using their boat. And then uh, a lot of times it's they'll take a friend out on their boat and they get very excited about it. And they'll end up either buying a boat from us or they'll end up buying their friend's boat as they step up to a new one. So. Hey, Scott, I'll ask you that last question. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about early on in this crisis on the podcast was, um, in most crises, there's not only bad, there's opportunity as well. And, and I know as a, as a boat owner, um, we, we, even in the quarantine life, we use the boat, even when the river was closed, to just go down there on a nice day, sit on the boat, you know, drink a beer, smoke a cigar, do, do whatever, you, you know, it, it, it's an escape. Um, is there an opportunity here or are there things that you've learned during this crisis that you will integrate in either the way you sell or in how you set up your boats uh, in the future? That's a good question. I, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, by the way, I, I think there are probably a lot of people who maybe were sneaking down to their boat too, right. just to <laughs> be able to enjoy it because it is a great escape. It really is, you know, and that's, that's what we're passionate about is helping connect people with that, with that type of experience. And, uh, you know, I think the one thing I, that we are at least appreciating right now, so there's some good coming out of this. I mean, yes, it's tragic. Uh, we don't like going through situations like this. Uh, people's lives are directly impacted with the loss of life, but also indirectly. There, there are a lot of people's uh, lives who have been negatively impacted just from the change of life. Obviously, none of us like having our lives change that drastically, but uh, I do think we're, we're appreciating right now that we are seeing uh, some robust business, you know, at least coming from some of these different markets where I think people are going, you know, no summer sports, as I mentioned before, school's over, what, what can we do here? And obviously also the news about, well, the transmission of the virus is pretty minimal out in the you know, the heat and the humidity. So 
let's go boating. And uh, I think uh, that that's certainly uh, exciting. Uh, we're going to try to work as we can, you know, with our dealer network and our own sales team to do what we can there to, to try to make people's dream come true this season. And, uh, you know, boat, boating is obviously just a great fun thing to be able to do. And you guys are out in an awesome part of that too. I just, the East coast was so blessed, you know, uh, when God created it, it's just amazing what all you have to do out there. Every time I come out to a boat show or someone takes me boating in your area out there, it's just, it's exciting, you know, to see where you can go. Amen. A lot of exploring. <laughs> Amen. Scott, I, I know I, I said, um, we wanted to get you out of here, uh, and, and under, um, a good amount of time, but I want to ask you just another quick question, if I, if I could. Um, mm -hmm. I know you all uh, at the factory, you're, you're taking steps to uh, ensure that your employees are safe and, uh, and that they're well taken care of. Can you just talk to us a little bit about the communication uh, you have with your employees throughout uh, this, uh, this, this shutdown and then what you're doing now? I'd be happy to. Uh, you know, we knew that life was going to be different when we were given the green light to come back and, and uh, start production back up. We prepared uh, heavily for that. So it was, it was a very busy time. I, I mentioned earlier, we have a great affiliation with the uh, National Association of Manufacturers. Uh, they uh, had weekly webinars that, that we participated in to try to help prepare us for the startup. We also uh, were given quite a gift uh, from the Lear Corporation. They gave a safe playbook for a restart that uh, was, was extremely complete. It was, they're a multi-billion dollar company and can generate things like that. They made that a, a gift to all manufacturing if they wanted to uh, adopt that. So we did decide to adopt it because it was ready to go. Uh, it, it went over a lot of points about how to prepare your facility, uh, went over points that we do now that every morning when we report to work, everyone, including myself, has their temperature taken. And that's going to have that's going to go on for for some time. Uh, my in my pocket is a is a face mask. Uh, we're social distancing here, but if we have to work within six feet of someone else, the mask goes on. Uh, that's throughout the shop, and many people in the shop that they don't work side by side, but they'll pass each other or might interact working in a boat, uh, finishing it. So they'll they'll have masks on a lot of the time out there. Uh, the, the temp taking goes to even all of our guests, the people who were here yesterday by, to see their 430. Every one of the guests had their temperature taken. And uh, if it's over uh, 100.4, they're, they're not allowed to, to be here. And uh, as a matter of fact, they're recommended uh, to go get checked out. And we want to know how that checkup went, you know, so that we know whether we've got an issue or not. So, uh, and then throughout the facility, we have... Uh, we've probably doubled our cleaning team and they're very specifically doing deep cleaning every day and surface cleaning and uh, that's going to go on for quite some time. We continue to remind our employees about washing hands for 20 seconds. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't sound like a long time, but when you start doing that, it's, it's a long time, but uh, so they kind of tell you to do little songs, you know, so that it makes, yeah. makes you understand when you're done. So a lot of things there uh, and, uh, we have provisions in place that if someone would, uh, you know, raise their temp during the day here and would have to be sent home uh, as to what the procedure would be to follow up on that. So uh, I will have to admit, my heart goes out to the parts of the country who have been 
severely stricken. Uh, where we're at, we're more rural here, and I will admit we've we've had very few cases, uh, you know, in our surrounding six county area where many of our team members live. So uh, that's uh, that's been a good thing. It's made it a little bit easier in trying to stay on top of things here. But uh, but throughout our state, even though we're more rural here, there are hot spots here, so we can relate to the challenges that uh, you know that are still going on there. So no, it's quite a change. Uh, I don't think uh, everyone was completely excited about their freedom, uh, you know, going away in some of these fashions. But, you know, we were down for six and a half weeks uh, and we were just blessed and felt, felt blessed to be able to start back up with our manufacturing and felt like if this is what we have to do, well, this, this is what we're going to do, you know. So we're excited to be back up and uh, running with uh, full steam right now. Well, uh, Scott, I can definitely say for uh, for the three of us here, we're excited about the summer months ahead of us and excited to get back out on the water. Uh, folks, the website is formulaboats.com. We're speaking with Scott Porter, president uh, of Formula Boats there in Decatur, Indiana. Uh, Scott, I want to thank you for taking some time to join us today. My pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Excellent. Uh, folks, we're going to take a quick break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Three Season in a Pod. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. We're back, and it's time to look out on the horizon. Chris, what do you see in the week ahead? Hey, so I'm looking at this idea or this phenomenon of co-branding. And so this is where one brand who finds themselves vulnerable um, either to um, shaming, like we talked about in segment one, or um, they find themselves vulnerable from a confidence standpoint, they pair up with another brand as a way of making a, a super brand, if you will. So we're starting to see this from the airlines uh, as they're pairing up with um, cleaning products or um, healthcare systems as a way of making consumers feel better. And so will this be part of that new normal that we keep beating the the drum on? Um, So, you know, when you go on board United Airlines and you see iconography from Clorox or you see as part of commercials and branding, um, that the two are kludged together. Um, I, I want to watch over the next couple of weeks um, how that works uh, and if that um, takes off into other areas. John, how about you? Thanks, Bashan. Yeah, my my uh, horizon uh, is is looking at the future of uh, spaceflight. Um, you know, I I follow the space program very closely. Uh, I know Chris and I both know Kayla Barron who used to work at the Naval Academy and is in the new astronaut class down in Houston, presumably waiting for her spaceflight, whether it's to the moon or to Mars or uh, just to the International Space Station. And this week was, you know, a really big week for that as, as SpaceX launched, um, you know, the, the manned flight uh, up to the International Space Station on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, the, the, the future of this is very interesting to me in that we've privatized this entire industry. Uh, it's been, I think, over 10 years since um, the space shuttle program was, was 
basically put down and we've been relying on the Russians to get our uh, astronauts to space. Uh, how will this change, uh, the success of this launch? Um, what will it do to you know, continue to embolden people to get involved in this? Where, who is the next Elon Musk or Richard Branson uh, to, you know, to forage boldly into this, into this arena to try to help us go to space? Uh, or do we even think that we should be spending money to go to space? Uh, does it matter if we go to the moon again? Does it matter if we go to Mars? Um, I think uh, you know, this week's event, this week's launch will, will certainly inform a lot of people. And, and I'm very interested to see how it will evolve over time. You know, each of us in, in, in our own way have been, uh, have been entertained, have been moved. Uh, by the by, the live sports that have happened over the past couple of weekends. Uh, just this past weekend, the PGA Tour uh, teamed up with Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, um, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady uh, for for some match play uh, to raise funds for COVID nineteen relief. They actually raised over twenty million dollars uh, in in their uh, in their match the other day. Um, you know, entertaining to watch. Uh, you you had Charles Barkley and uh, uh, Justin Thomas. Uh, commenting uh, on the play a, a, as they went around the course there in Florida. A um, little bit of bad weather, but but everyone powered through. Uh, Peyton Manning, certainly a character, uh, knows how to play uh, play to television audience uh, with, with with his comments. Um, but it makes me uh, looking forward. Um, it, I'm curious, and as we see, like the NBA trying to figure out now how they could perhaps uh, come up with a unique playoff, um, a playoff look. Um, I could watch stuff like that um, all, all day long. Um, and so I'm curious to see how the different sports leagues are going to come up with ways to, you know, adjust uh, to what, what's going on. Um, you know, it's, again, look, it, it's golf, so it's easier to sort of maneuver through um, social distancing guidelines or what have you. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm very interested in seeing, uh, you know, how these decisions are going to be made, what's, what's going to, to play out, um, you know, one from a safety standpoint, and then again, for, for entertainment value. So um, that, that's, that's my short uh, on the horizon look right there. Um, you know, I, I want to have uh, sports back in, in, in the daily discourse. Uh, and but I but I also want it done uh, with the safety of the participants uh, and and the fans. So so that's that. That's about wraps it up for us today. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate you as always joining in on our three season of pod conversation. Uh, if you're looking for more information as your business or organization navigates the communication environment, feel free to reach out to us at provisionadvisors.net. Uh, in the meantime, we want you to be mindful and be safe. See you soon. Thank you for listening to 3Cs in a Pod. Have a great week.